Blog Okay, bless the Lord, everybody, bless the Lord. How's everybody doing tonight? And welcome to the Word on Wednesday with Pastor Winfred Burns. And we are going into Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7 is our is our goal tonight, and I'll tell you from the beginning that we're going to have to approach this a little differently because in Acts chapter 7, we have got um, 59 verses that we've got to go through. And in going through 59 verses, uh, we're going to, we'd never make it unless um, I handle this a certain way. And the way that I'm going to handle this tonight is a little different than what we normally do uh, because what's, what's important tonight is that we understand what's going on and then, and then after we understand what's going on, then we can turn around and, and, and then ap- apply it to our lives today. And so some of you are thinking, and perhaps you've read ahead and you've seen that, uh, well, Acts chapter 7 is, is Stephen's speech, and what does Stephen's speech have to do with us? Well, you hang in there, and, and 30 minutes from now, you're going to know exactly what Stephen's speech has to do with you. I want to just have a word of prayer, and then um, we'll start the clock, because 30 minutes, about well, 32, 33 minutes from now, I'll be asking you to ask some questions. Now, there's two ways you can ask questions. One, uh, those of you who are on, on Facebook Live, what you can do is you can just type your questions in. Those of you who are um, uh, on Global Drive, you can call me at 929-477-2304. And you guys on Facebook Live, you can take advantage of that number too. So if you don't want to type it in and you want to call in, 929-477-2304. And the way we do it is I teach for approximately 30 minutes. At the end of the 30 minutes, then uh, there's a there's a 15 minute question and answer session. Again, if there are no questions, if there are no questions, and I've been encouraging people to ask questions, uh, then we'll pray and we'll wrap it up. But 30 minutes from the time I start praying, we we lock we lock it down. Okay, so you don't have to be out here with me all night. Amen. So anyway, let me get let me get all set up. I like to have this. Um, I like to have my stopwatch and everything already. Anyway, let's have a word of prayer. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to give you thanks, to give you praise, to give you glory and honor. We bless you, God. How we praise you, God. How we magnify your name, God. You told us to study to show ourselves approved. A workman need not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. And Father, we've learned that even if we learn everything about your word, we still know nothing about your word. Because the only way that we can learn about your word, which is you, is that you reveal it to us. 
And so we ask for revelation tonight. We ask to hear tonight. We ask to see tonight. God, we don't want to be in that crowd that you talk about, seeing that when you say seeing they don't see and hearing they don't hear. Father, we want to be those who can see and hear because you reveal yourself to us. Now lead us and guide us into this study tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's get at it. So I'm going to hit the timer. And once I hit this timer, my time is on. Okay, we're in Acts chapter 7. Last week we heard the charges that were given to uh, uh, to Stephen after he was apprehended because he was in the marketplace sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the charges that that they that they laid against him in Acts chapter six. Uh, if you look at Acts chapter six, it says that um, in verse thirteen it says, and they set up false witnesses. And this is uh, Acts chapter six, verse thirteen. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And then in Acts chapter 7, verse 1, he says, The high priest asked him, Are these things so? So, you've heard the charges against Stephen. He is standing before the, the people and the Sanhedrin. He has been put on trial, and basically what they're accusing him of is blasphemy against the temple and blasphemy against the law. And with that word blasphemy basically says you are speaking against. So he is, he has, he's guilty of speaking against the temple and speaking against the law. Now we see that Stephen is going to give his defense. Now, this is one of the longest speeches. Actually, this is the longest speech in the book of Acts and one of the longest speeches in the Bible. And so what we need to do is we need not concentrate on um, how he says it, but we need to really concentrate on what he says. And so what I've done is I've broken his speech up into parts, and I'll identify as we read through what the essence of what Stephen is saying, because Stephen presents a defense that says, firstly, that this is all a part of God's plan. So over the next 59 verses, what we'll see is Stephen presenting salvation history, as we call it, or God's plan to redeem man. The second thing that, we, that Stephen will say is every time God sent someone to redeem mankind, each time he sent a redeemer, you rejected him. And in summary, what he'll say, and just like you did in the past, just like you rejected every act of God's redemptive plan, you've done it again. And then we'll see the response from there. So the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to read Acts chapter 7, and we'll start at verse 1. And, it, and the first segment is 
it can be divided as Acts chapter 7, verses 1 through 8. So here we go. And the high priest said, Are these things so? And Stephen said, Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran and said to him, Go out from your land and from your kindred and go into the land that I will show you. Then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there into this land in which you are now living. Yet he gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot's length, but promised to give it to him as a possession and to, to his offspring after him, though he had no child. And God spoke to this effect that his offspring would be sojourners in a land belonging to others who would enslave them and afflict them 400 years. But I will judge the nation they serve, said God, and after, they, and after that they shall come out and worship me in this place. And he gave him the covenant of circumcision, and so Abraham became the father of Isaac, and circumcised him on the eighth day, and Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob of the twelve patriarchs. So what he does is he begins his defense by presenting the promise that God gave to Abraham and how this promise was passed down through the patriarchs. And he also tells them that um that God gave them as a sign of the covenant relationship and the promise that he had given to Abraham. He gave them the covenant of circumcision. So he begins by saying, what he's introducing is, he's saying God has been working in the life of Israel, and he started this work, and he gave us this promise through Abraham. That's the first part. That's the, that's the introduction that he makes to the Sanhedrin and to the people. Now, let's go. The second thing that he does takes place in Acts, um, uh, beginning at verse 9 through verse 16. So let's go there. And the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him out of all of his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who made him ruler over Egypt and over all his household. Now there came a famine throughout all Egypt and Canaan, and great affliction, and our fathers could find no food. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers on their first visit. And on the second visit, Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. And Joseph sent and summoned Jacob his father and all his kindred, 75 persons in all. And Jacob went down into Egypt, and he died, he and our fathers. And they were carried back to Shechem and laid in the tomb that Abraham had brought for a sum of silver, from the son of Hamor in Shechem. 
So what he's saying here is that in the first segment that God gave a promise to Abraham of, of salvation to, through him, that he would make the nation great. He promised him the land but didn't give him the land, but instead gave it to uh, others behind him, the offspring of Abraham. That's the first thing he says. Now, in this section, he says, Joseph was positioned by God as a deliverer to, number one, deliver them from famine, and number two, deliver them into the land of Egypt. So he's making this case that everything that's happened has been a part of God's divine plan. And Joseph was anointed, was anointed to go through all that he went through to be positioned in Egypt as a deliverer. Even though his brothers, now this is the first hint that you see of the rejection of, uh, of, of, of the children of Israel to a deliverer, when you see that he says his brother sold him off. So now he's beginning to, there's a theme that's going to, 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 to resonate throughout his entire speech. So he's basically saying, God gave a promise, God gave a deliverer, and you rejected him. Let's keep going. Verse 17, but as the time of the promise drew near, which God had granted to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied in Egypt until there arose over Egypt another king who did not know Joseph. He dealt shrewdly with our race and forced our fathers to expose their infants so that they would not be kept alive. At this time, Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight, and he was brought up for three months in his father's house. And when he was exposed... Pharaoh's daughters adopted him and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deeds. When he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. And on the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wronging his neighbor thrust him aside, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. Now when forty years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in the flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight, and as he drew near to look, there came the voice of the Lord. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. And Moses trembled and did not dare to look. 
Then he said to, the, to him, Take off the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their groaning, and I have come to deliver them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. This Moses, whom they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? This man God sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. So what we have here now is we have the call of Moses, how Moses was called specifically to be a ruler and a redeemer of Israel. And even prematurely, even when he identified himself to the people prematurely, the people rejected him. He thought that they would understand that God had positioned him as a savior of the people who were being enslaved by Pharaoh. But they didn't understand it. They exposed him, and he wound up running. Let's keep going. So Acts 7, verses 36 through 40 is another now, this is where he's starting to tighten the screws down because he's basically saying to them, God called Abraham and gave him a promise. The promise was passed on to the patriarchs. It was passed to Joseph. Joseph was a redeemer, yet even before he was revealed as redeemer, his brothers rejected him. Here you have Moses. Even though, even before Moses was revealed as redeemer, the people rejected him. Now, let's keep moving. Verse 36. This man led them out, performing wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, and I'm at verse 37, by the way. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. This is the one who was in the congregation, in the wilderness, with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai. And with our fathers, he received living oracles to give us. Our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside. And in their hearts, they turned to Egypt saying to Aaron, make for us gods who will go before us. As for this Moses who led us out from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So now what he's saying is this. He's, saying, he's basically saying to them, and you rejected Moses. Despite you've seen him communing with God, in spite of the signs and wonders that God wrought through him, despite the miracles, the crossing of the Red Sea, and, and, and you being fed in the wilderness with manna, the water from the rock, everything that you saw God do through Moses, the, his appointed and anointed ruler and redeemer, you rejected him and you chose Egypt. See the pattern that he's using? 
God sent for you, you rejected the person that he sent. God's trying to redeem redeem you, and you keep rejecting him. This is building up now. This is building up, and it's going to come to a crescendo. And unfortunately, it's not the song that we want to hear sang. So now we're at um, Acts chapter 7, verse 41. They made a calf in those days and offered a sacrifice to the idol and were rejoicing in the works of their hand. But God turned away and gave them over to worship the host of heavens, as it is written in the book of the prophets, did you bring to me slain beasts and sacrifices during the 40 years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You took up the tent of Moloch and the star of your god Rephan, the images that you made to worship, and I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. God's response to Israel's disobedience to Israel's rejection of him, of him was to send them into exile, into Babylon. So after all that God had did, after all that the miracles and signs and wonders that he had shown this nation, this nation that he chose as his own, God says enough. And he sends them into exile. Now remember, now remember, the charges against him was that he spoke against the law of Moses and that he rejected and he spoke against the temple. Those are their two major charges. And what his defense has been is that it's because you don't understand God, and once again, you don't understand the law, and you are rejecting through, your, through what you're doing right now you're rejecting God again. And now watch what he did, watch what he does because next he goes and he begins in verse 44, he begins to answer the charges that they make against him concerning the temple. Look at verse 44. He says, and he does it the same way he did it from the beginning. He started at the beginning of the promise and he goes through where God finally says you're in captivity. Now watch him start at the origin of the temple to show them that they don't have any understanding of what this temple really is. Verse 44, he says, Our father, our fathers had the tent of witness in the wilderness, just as he who spoke to Moses directed him to make it according to the pattern that he had seen. Our fathers, in turn, brought it in with Joshua when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before our fathers. So it was until the days of David, who found favor in the sight of God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands. As the prophet says, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? So what he does is he says, this temple that you are worshiping is not the dwelling place of God. 
This temple represents the presence of God, and God's presence is here, but his, this temple cannot contain God. And so why are you looking at it as if God is embodied within this temple? Now watch what happens. After, after, he puts, after he corrects them concerning their understanding of the temple, he's already corrected them concerning their lack of understanding of what God's law and what God's plan is supposed to do. Now he corrects them in the temple, and now he's getting ready to get them. Watch this. You stiff-necked people, verse 51, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did not your fathers persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by the angels and did not keep it. Wow. First of all, he calls them stiff-necked. Now, you have to understand what he's saying when he calls them a stiff-necked person. Uh, the best way for me to explain that very, very quickly is you ever pick up a baby and try to move a baby into a place and that baby don't want you to move them or that child doesn't want you to move them and so they go stiff on you? That's kind of like what stiff-necked is. They're resisting the movement of God. Better, Even a better example is um, a, a ox or a horse, when you're trying to turn them into a, 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 a different direction, and they resist by stiffening their neck, and they begin to pull against the direction that you're sending them in. And so what he's saying to them is that you people are resisting the move and direction of God. And then he further goes on to say, you just like your daddy. You are just like your ancestors. You are doing the same things now that they did before. When righteousness was presented to them, they killed the prophets. When a plan was presented to them, they resisted the plan. He said, you are just, it's just a pattern of your life. Now you see what he was doing early on? He was presenting a pattern. God sends a deliverer. They reject the deliverer. And now he's saying, God has sent salvation to you in the form of Jesus Christ. And rather than you receive him, you rejected him. And not only did you reject him, but you killed him. Not only did you kill him, you murdered him. You took his life without cause. Is their response to, to this word from, from, from Stephen. Now, when they heard these things, 54, I'm at 754 now. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. At him. But he full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. 
that they cried out with loud voices and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. His, their response to the word of God as presented by Stephen. And now this is the word of God that Stephen is giving Remember, it says Stephen was a man full of the Holy Spirit and power. Remember, it says, don't worry about what you'll say in that time when you are called before people because the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. Stephen has been called to witness to some of the most evil and vile people in, in Jerusalem, those who are, have rejected and murdered uh, Jesus himself those who now are so so bent on keeping their power that they'll do anything to keep this power, to keep Stephen from preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus. God equips him with the words to say, and, he, and there's, there's such powerful words, there's such damning words, there's such convicting words that these people begin to just just grind their teeth together. That's their reaction. And they take him out and they stone him. I want us to look very, very quickly at Stephen's reaction. First of all, what does he do? Because they were enraged. They misjudged Stephen and they stoned him. But Stephen's reaction during this time was, first of all, he looked toward heaven. He saw Jesus. He focused on Jesus. He made sure that he, his last thing that he did was to cover the people, to forgive the people. And then he put himself into the hands of God. And the Bible says, not that he died, but he fell asleep. So what can we learn, just very, very quickly, as when we are called to stand before the powerful who say that they are about to take our life? Well, first of all, they can't take our life because we're already dead. We died with Christ, crucified with him, yet I live, but no, not I, but it's Christ that lives within me. We recognize that we, our lives are hid in Christ. That's the first thing you got to do. You can't be scared of what is getting ready to happen to you because you can't kill a dead man. You can't kill a dead woman because if you died with Christ, you're already dead. And the life that you now live, you live by the power of the Spirit of God. So when you are Physically in those positions, you know that you are seated in heavenly places with Christ. 
See, don't worry about that. Your focus is not on the circumstances. Instead, your focus is on what God has sent you to do. The power to do it is given from the Holy Ghost. So you are looking to heaven for strength, as Stephen does. So us witnesses, what we have to do is we have to look heavenward. We don't look within ourselves or we don't look in scheme. No, we look heavenward. And we know that seated at the right hand of God is Jesus who has promised to be with us and to never leave us, and he's there seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us and telling us, go ahead, boy, you can do it. Oh, God, I'm trying not to preach. Thirdly, you walk in forgiveness. You walk in forgiveness. The Bible teaches us to pray for our enemies to bless those that curse us. Never tells us to dwell in hatred. And finally, we've committed our lives to Christ. We, so we put our lives in God's hand. That's what we do. To execute his mission, we, this is what Stephen did. To execute our mission, that's what we be, have to be ready to do. We have to die. Have to be, consider yourself dead. I reckon myself not only dead to sin, but dead to the things of this world. But yet I'm alive in Christ. Stephen went to sleep. One day, all of us, if Jesus doesn't come, we're going to go to sleep. We don't die. We walk past death as death awaits the final judgment. We walk past it. So we don't fear death. We're the ones that are saying, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? We're the ones that say that. We can laugh at it. It's not saying that you know we go and invite ourselves in. Okay, got it. Uh, invite death upon ourselves, or, or invite death to visit us. No, but when we're in a fight, the best fighters, the most relaxed fighters, are the ones that go in saying, "Well, I'm dead anyway, so I might as well just fight. I'm gonna get my licks in. I'm gonna do what the Lord told me to do." That's Acts chapter seven. That's the application that I received of Acts chapter 7. Now, I'd ask you to go back and that you would then reread Acts chapter 7, and even right now the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and he's saying something to you concerning this word, and he's saying something to you concerning what he has you doing right now or preparing you for something to do, that he's going to use you in. Listen to the voice of the Spirit of God. Amen? Are there any questions? Um, this is our question and answer time. 929-477-2304 for those on Global Drive. For those of you who are on Facebook Live that want to call in, you can call in on that number, 929-477-2304, 
or if you have questions or comments and you want to um, uh, if if you want to um, join uh, join in the conversation, ask a question, make a comment, then just post it right away. Just post it where I can see it. And like I always tell you, I'm not gonna tarry. I will not tarry. We'll have we'll have prayer and we will close things down. Going once, twice. Amen. So I hope you enjoyed the lesson tonight. I hope you see, I hope you were able to um, distinguish and discern the different places, what Stephen was actually doing in his, um, in his defense. And he never defended himself. He basically said, y'all got it wrong. Y'all have always been killing our redeemers. And once again, you've rejected and killed Jesus Christ ultimate redeemer, the one who is sent to redeem our nation, you killed him. And then they rejected that. Let's have a word of prayer. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. We bless you and we praise you that, God, that when the word was revealed unto us, that you blessed us with a grace You opened up our heart. You allowed us to see that Jesus is the Christ of God. You allowed us to receive him as our Savior. And as your word says, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe on his Father, you gave us the power to believe and become your sons and daughters. Oh, how we bless you and how we thank you. Oh, how we thank you that our response was not to reject you, but to embrace you and to love you. God, and it's not of ourselves that we did that. You even gave us the power to believe and receive. God, we thank you. God, we praise you for this salvation. God, we thank you for rescuing us and and claiming us as your own. God, hallelujah. Oh, how we bless you. You loved us so much that you saved us. You loved us so much that you gave your son for us. Teach us and lead us and empower us to spread the message of your kingdom as you have commanded us, to baptize and make disciples, to teach, oh God, to teach them all things that you have taught us. God, we pray that this broadcast would go out throughout the world, that hearts would be changed and souls would be saved. Give them ears to hear, eyes to see. Do signs and wonders through this video, even as I sit in my study. God, do it. 
save people. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, bless God, that's it for tonight. And I would pray that you all would um, share the videos that, that we send out and that you would continue. And all, when you do this, when you share the video, it's not for me to become popular or famous or anything. Y'all know I don't care nothing about that. As a matter of fact, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't need all of that headache. Uh, but instead, you, what you're doing is you're like the sower. You're scattering the word of God. And you're placing seed in such a position where the, the seed can just sink into the soil of those who have fertile hearts that they too might enjoy this great salvation that we partake in. We don't want to be stingy. Um, in addition to the Word on Wednesday, I'm doing daily appointments with God, and those you can find those over on YouTube. Uh, I send out a link every morning. Become a subscriber. Tell friends to become subscriber. That's just nothing but pure Word. There's no teaching there. I uh, do the daily appointments with God, and then I also do quick bites. Again, everything is word-based, word-centered. It's all about the word. I'm putting that word out there, and then um, the Holy Spirit is acting upon the word. That's what it's all about. And I thank God for you. Please help me in this journey. Please help me spread the word. I don't want to get to heaven and and all of a sudden look back and see all the missed opportunities, all the missed opportunities that I had to share the word, and you having a chance to to um, um, spread the word alongside of me, or even in your own ministries. You don't want to uh, miss out on the opportunity to share the word and advance the kingdom of God. Amen? Well, that's it for tonight. Uh, next week, it's Acts chapter 8. We're moving rapidly through. We've got two more weeks, maybe three, before we take um, a couple of weeks vaca uh, a vacation. And then we start in the second part of Acts. This one is um, com Commission, Community, and Complications. This is the first part that we're doing, 1 through 9. We'll take a couple weeks break, and then we'll jump right back in with the second part of Acts. Uh, so, again, let's keep pressing. Let's keep studying. Let's keep praying. Let's keep spreading the word. Let's keep doing the will of God. Bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening. Bye-bye.